Welcome back, my friends, to the Startup to Something podcast. We're two bootstrappers building online businesses, and we're here to talk business. <laughs> I'm Matt, and this week we're talking about unfair advantages in investing, and I've got some updates to share from some early customer interviews. But first, some business and life updates. Mark, how was your week, dude? Yeah, so my week was interesting. <laughs> okay, interesting. <laughs> the My dog was really sick for like three days. Oh, man. Yeah, like basically the doggy gastro <laughs> oh shit <laughs> like i mean we we spend a lot of time at the dog park like mm-hmm. my dog is is a player like he just likes playing with other dogs right um but you know at the dog park they all drink out of the same bowl and they all oh, share yes. the same balls and toys mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and you know they like to shove their noses up other dogs butts <laughs> so it's like it's like daycare for young children right it's it's a <laughs> petri dish of like viruses and <laughs> so sure <laughs> so yeah there's this gastro going around like everyone we know their dog is sick weird so, yeah but yeah it was pretty bad like at first day it was throwing up oh um but then after that it was just diarrhea but it, okay. it meant we had to take him out like every two hours max right oh, like, yeah mm-hmm. like take him out and he would just run to the nearest bush and like <laughs> yeah evacuate yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, it was like having a sick toddler. It was really hard to get any work done. <laughs> but yeah. you know, thankfully, like you know, like we're two because you know, the kids don't do anything, <laughs> right? They promised they would take care of the dog, and then <laughs> three years later, meh. <laughs> yeah, over it. But but at least yeah, yeah. Like there's some days my wife was able to to take care of the dog, and I could do some deep work. Great. And I'm, I'm like on, on a Twitter break right now. Like, okay. Yeah. It just, I don't know. It, I was, I'm again in a, in a slump on Twitter. Like, I feel like I see a lot of people. I feel they're, they're just, they're just phony and it's like, I don't feel connected to them and mute them, and, unfollow yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I've been doing. But, but then you still feel like I have to go check and make sure I've, I didn't miss anything. So mm-hmm. like, just taking a break. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it really changes my whole mindset and I'm able to focus and concentrate. And so, so yeah, despite the dog being sick, I, I got lots of some deep work sessions where I was able to work on this new importer. Fantastic. Yeah. So that, that was great. And I, and I feel great about it. Like I feel great. Like, like I'm getting, I'm getting work done. (laughs) Sweet. So, so it means, yeah, my Twitter's not doing much, but uh, mm-hmm. who cares? <laughs> I could take a break. My yeah, Twitter yeah, friends you, will still yeah. be there in a week or two. Exactly. We're out here making buzz. We're not trying to appeal to the algorithm. We're trying to make buzz. No, exactly. And that's it. I'm not chasing followers anymore. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and otherwise, uh, like, we're moving in two weeks. Oh, man. Tell me about like, it. Okay. Yeah, it was... It was like a total last minute thing. Like we've yeah. been, we've been looking for a, pl- a new place. We want a place that's bigger and a place that's closer to the metro. Because mm-hmm. you know my daughter goes to university, so she takes the metro every day. And my son's starting college like next semester, so it's going to be the same thing. Like it just seemed like we needed to be closer. Like the, now we have to take a bus to get to the metro, and that yeah. bus is so unreliable. And okay, yeah. So I was like, nah, it would be better so we've been keeping an eye out for a new place uh visiting a few and but but it's really hard like it it's it's slim pickings right like you know we we need like three bedrooms we, i need an office with like a closed door like yeah and we need more like common living space so like you know a bigger living room bigger yeah. dining room um and closer to the metro like it's it's like it's like there's not many. Yeah. <laughs> so when we found this one, it was like we just jumped on it immediately. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, All right, let's do it. Even though it was for like a May first move. <laughs> yeah. We said whatever. We'll take it. We'll pay two rents for the month of May, and yeah. So yeah, we're moving middle of May. Okay. Cool. So now it's packing time. Oh my god! <laughs> it's crazy. We have yeah. so much shit. Fuck! Uh, where does it where does it come from? I know. Like, seriously. Oh god. So we're <laughs> we're going through exactly the same thing. 
Um, we are, instead of moving in Montreal, though, we are moving to Victoria. We're, mo- we're moving to the west coast of Canada, um, which means we sell everything. So we're moving there temporarily. I'm sure we'll be back to Montreal. But in the meantime, like, we know there's a few things we want to store. But, like, it means, like, we're cleaning out all the closets and all the crags and crevices and just, like... What like <laughs> the stuff that we we have? We're like we moved this. It's like we have like expired food that we moved. So it's like man, like why? What am I doing? How do I accumulate I so much garbage? We're a bunch of fucking herders. I know, <laughs> man. Quarters. It's like uh, it's oh, I need my stuff. Oh god, my security blanket. I really need this can of expired chickpeas. Right. I need twenty four USB cables because because they break right. So like. <laughs> I really need this VGA to <laughs> to uh, DVI uh, extender cable. It's really important. Yeah, I mean, critical day, infrastructure, I might, man. Yeah, I might need to connect to a projector one day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I'm really I'm not that much of a hoarder, but you know, you still you still collect so much shit. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, so and the, the last the last two times we moved. Like we we used to own a condo, mm-hmm. um, and then while we were gone during the summer on a on a road trip, uh, we got a call from our neighbor saying, um, "Your roof is on fire." <laughs> call back. Uh, <laughs> what? So so yeah, it turned out there was a fire in the top condo, um, and then the fire department like they just flood the place right yeah. to make sure there's no fire in the walls or anywhere. So so basically. We didn't have any smoke damage. We only had water damage. Right. From, but it meant they had to rebuild the whole building. So the insurance company just came over and they packed everything, right? Mm. So, and it was ridiculous. Like the stuff they would pack, like they, you know, like a, oh, here's a box of Kleenex that only has like four Kleenexes left in it. Yes. Who cares? They, they put yeah. it in the box and they pack it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah their, their, their mandate is to box everything. Doesn't they, yeah, They'll take exactly. your garbage with all the garbage in it and put that yeah, right in the box. Exactly. They packed <laughs> everything. <laughs> so so then we moved into a temporary apartment and we got some of our stuff out of their storage in order to, to have stuff, right? And then when we moved into this apartment, this permanent apartment, like... Again, the insurance company paid for the move. Right. So, so yeah, this, this is all new. This is like the first time in, in decades that we're like packing ourselves sure. and moving ourselves. But, uh, yeah, part, part of me wants to sell stuff, but that's not easy. Eh? Like, no, it is. Oh my God. It's, it's not easy. Not, it's so much wasted back and forth. Like mm. you post it on, you know, Craigslist or Kijiji. And yeah. I mean, the, 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 we've had the most success with Facebook Marketplace. Okay. Um, I guess Facebook is just really good at advertising your stuff into people's feeds. So we've sold a bunch of stuff, old laptops, bookshelves, chairs, you name it. And uh, we usually get responses. Like if you don't get responses in the first 12 hours, you can basically assume that your price is too high and you need to back okay. it off. Oh, maybe I should try that. I just, yeah. But I mean, I find it such a, at some point, I just prefer to just pack up stuff and bring it to the donation box like yeah because at least i can schedule it like yeah it's like i know um but if you if you post something you're going to get a bunch of correspondence from people asking questions like yeah is it still available <laughs> not showing up and they're like oh no no yeah. i want it i want it and then they don't exactly show up. Like, oh, can you hold it yeah no i can't <laughs> yeah and you're all this time you're trying to get work done mm. no. but yeah that would be the I mean, there's a bunch of stuff we have that still has value that could be resold. Yeah. Yeah. Packing is not fun. I'm not, well, I mean, like one nice thing now is we're donating so much stuff and selling so much. It's, it's nice that we don't have to worry about like, oh, we'll pack all these boxes. It's like, we only have to worry about selling, not necessarily packing. So it's kind of nice. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Like really, that's like a forced declutter. Yes. Like to become a minimalist. Yeah. Then you'll feel much lighter. Yeah. I'm kind of looking forward to it. There's some things that or there's some realities that we're going to have to figure out. Like it's not like we're moving into a hotel where like food is brought to us or we eat out for every meal. Like we still need like there's some kitchen basics that we need to keep. Like I think that, like spices is like a great example of this thing that if you buy from scratch again, it's going to cost you like however much money. So yeah. we're looking into buying like camping, uh, like camping equipment that we can just like because if we we're gonna we're gonna land and stay with uh, with my wife's parents. And then 
uh, we'll move to an Airbnb and then maybe another different Airbnb after that. And it's the summertime, so we might be forced to switch kind of often. So if we have all of our kitchen stuff and we can stick it in one bag or something like that, that's just portable enough we can take it between Airbnbs, then it's like, oh, that'd be great. So we're looking at oh, yeah. kitchen equi- oh. or uh, camping kitchen equipment. Right. I like that. Buying mm-hmm. stuff that has multiple purposes. Exactly. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Uh, when I was in Japan a, a few years ago, I got to I got a glimpse of what it's like to live in like a tiny tiny place and <laughs> and like what goes into that and like how you equip your home knowing you have no space. So it's right. like, oh, maybe we can try to get something similar to this so that we can travel with it or yeah, it's uh I'm trying to adopt as much of what I've seen in the past as possible. So yeah, how how was your week? My week's good. Um I had a dream about you. Oh my! Yeah, is this uh, suitable for the podcast? Uh, well, I mean this this podcast eighteen plus, so buckle up. <laughs> There's an awesome podcast called My Dad Wrote a Porno. If you've ever heard it, it's no. very funny. It's very funny, and I highly recommend it. But we won't go in that direction. No, I, I had a dream that we had a copywriting session. Really? <laughs> it was. I remember waking up and being like. Man, that was fire. Like I, I was I I felt so passionate about like Power Importer being like the home for no code. Like I remember being like, no, like Airtable is this awesome tool. And like how do you position Power Importer around Airtable and like giving the power of Airtable to all of these other tools around it? Because that was a discussion we had a while ago of like that um, Airtable is this awesome tool and people get it and people want to run their businesses off of it because it empowers entrepreneurs so much. So it's like, man, like how can we take the power, the power of uh, Airtable and move like, I don't know. It's, it's almost like, oh, you're extending Airtable to work with Webflow. You're extending it to work with Notion. And like, I don't know. I, I, um, I was like, oh, but, and then like, in my head, I was just like, oh, yes, it's like you are the you are the engine of no code. Power Importer <laughs> is the engine of no code. Like, I don't know. I I, uh, I have no idea if it makes sense. But I remember waking up and being like, fuck, yeah, like <laughs> I killed that. <laughs> Jeez, I didn't know you had so much copywriting talent. We uh, whatever came out of that dream was I mean, you, you were a great copywriting partner in that dream. So expect uh, <laughs> expect an invoice. Damn. <laughs> I'll, I'll pay you tonight when I dream. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> yeah, so other than that, um, other than a killer copywriting, copywriting session dream, um, started talking with, well, I, I want to say people about uh, assistance and their assistance need, but it really was talking to person this week. Um, I was chatting with uh, the owner of a content business. So they do... Um, they hire a lot of freelance writers um, and they do social media management and then they kind of offer a lot of upsells for like blog writing and other um, other kind of like promotional and marketing material, that kind of thing. So I was chatting with them and I was just kind of saying like, you know, have you ever tried to hire an assistant before? How did that work out? That sort of thing. And they had an interesting experience with this because they had hired freelance writers in the past. So they, they kind of had a, they had a rough idea of what did those people, they knew how to hire writers. Like maybe that's a, that's a good, a good place to start. So then they decided, they decided, okay, well, you know, it'd be nice to have an assistant, but they didn't really have a clear idea in their mind of all the tasks that they would want done. And I think really, even from, you know, from the conversation, it really sounded like they wanted, um, I think that they had the idea that they were going to hire more of a right hand. They wanted somebody to be more autonomous and be, to be able to just take tasks and run with them or see that things weren't working or, you know, to be able to be autonomous enough that they didn't need a lot of guidance. So, uh, so the solution for them was they hired a, um, they hired a freelancer to come in, not as an EA, like it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, advertised as an EA. It was really advertised as a, like an operating officer. Um, and it started, it was a contract position, started part-time and then eventually moved up into full-time. Um, and they were like, it was a godsend. This is, it was amazing. Um, it took so much off my plate. 
uh, just knowing that you could have somebody there to help pick up tasks, which is good. So I thinking, talking about it out loud, the thing I didn't dig into was, um, you know, what would you have done if it failed or like just trying to get a better idea of, I don't know, why go part time or I don't know. What was I going to say? Well, anyway, it, I've been th- I was thinking about it. I'm just thinking like, okay, well, it's, it's, it's a useful anecdote to see, okay, you have this idea of a catch-all and you even called it from the beginning a catch-all, not necessarily, oh, I've got these 10 things on my to-do list. It'd be nice to knock them out. Um, so it was useful to actually talk about, talk, talk to somebody who had a, an experience like that, a positive one. And they had actually had an, a situation where that person eventually, um, I don't know if they, I guess their wants and desires changed. So they, they ended up having to part ways. And then all of a sudden, uh, my, my friend who I was interviewing was like, this is a nightmare. Like <laughs> I was heavily relying on this person and now they're gone. Oh my God. What am I going to do? Because as the business owner, like they want to be able to delegate. I mean, the goal for them was to delegate management of a lot of the, 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 uh, managing these freelancers, the freelance writers that they were hiring. Cause they have like a, a fleet of them. Um, so figuring out how do you, how do you know, like they don't want to do that. That's not, that's not the interesting part of the business. They want to be selling. They want to be figuring out how to grow. So they wanted to be able to, um, manage, they wanted to be able to delegate the management of all these writers. Um, and then eventually they found somebody to replace that person. But either way, yeah, it's, it's very interesting to think of like a chief of staff or an operating officer who can, you can delegate that to. Um, cause yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting way to phrase the job because that would be kind of appealing for a young person, maybe with not a ton of experience or, or maybe somebody with a lot of experience, even I'm not sure what it's like for, for a person who's seeking a job like that, but, um, that might be useful phrasing, uh, to use or to keep in mind when I speak with more people. Yeah. It's definitely worth like following up on that Avenue. Mm-hmm. Did you ask him like how, how he found this, this person? Like what, where did he look? What did he search for? Um, she said that she found them. I ha- I think I have it written down in my notes somewhere. I don't remember. Okay. It wasn't. It wasn't through Upwork. I think it might have been a referral through somebody in their network, or maybe no, no. You know what it was? Uh, that person originally came on as a writer, and the more time that they spent together, she realized, oh, this this writer is um, wants to take on more, wants to do more, has an interest in doing more. Okay. So it really was luck. Right. And how did they describe this role? What did they call it? They called it an, um, like an operating officer. Okay. Or a head of operations, chief of staff. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. That's, that's progress. Mm. So one thing that, um, when I was kind of like thinking it through, one thing that's missing is I wonder if it was just one of those things where they said, okay, it's time for me to get an assistant because this just happened. Like, oh, um, I just got a letter. I got a legal letter and I have to deal with it. Or I, I don't know. Like, I'm just thinking of any one thing where they're like, I just don't want to handle this. I need to delegate it. It's time to find somebody to delegate to. Uh, I'm willing to take on the burden of uh, of hiring somebody at this point. Um, and I, I didn't get an idea. I didn't get a clear idea of what the impetus was for that. Because um, it is kind of interesting to think like when people, that moment when people throw their hands up and they're like, I'm done. I need help. Because right. um, that's a very powerful moment. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's when you want to be like demand driven. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're looking for something specific. Like they're exactly. looking for a chief of staff or they're looking for a, a COO mm-hmm. or a executive assistant. Yeah. Then you can target those keywords. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, th- but the top of the funnel is also interesting, right? Like you have people who feel overwhelmed, overwhelmed with work, mm-hmm. with tasks that know that they could outsource. But it's it's overwhelming. They they don't even think about it. Like mm-hmm. I mean, I'm in that boat right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, where it's like I know that I should be concentrating on these new features, uh, but there's so many other things that should also be done. Mm-hmm. I have marketing ideas. I need someone to execute them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, if you know that for that the top of funnel, it's more a question of showing them that there is a, there is a way of doing it. Right? Mm-hmm. You can hire someone that will figure out what's on your plate and what can be delegated and yeah and then do it mm-hmm. yeah yeah there's i mean yeah I, I, that's the crux of the problem if yeah like people are overwhelmed 
they're overwhelmed and there's so many people. I, I feel like there's a real opportunity to have people just, you don't have to take the, you don't have to take the plunge of hiring somebody full time, screening them, having to learn how to screen them, all that kind of thing. Like, yeah, it's, it seems very interesting. So yeah. So goal for next week is I need to find more people to talk to. Um, I've really been, because I've been so busy, I'm really just like, if I can physically touch you, then I'm willing, then I'll be like, Hey, do you want to get lunch? <laughs> like immediate vicinity. Um, so yeah, there's a few other people in my, uh, at the WeWork who I've been speaking with and to and about some of this stuff. Um, and plus, of course, if I can physically touch them and I know them, then I can potentially ask them like, Hey, do you want help? Like, do you want more help? Do you want, right. if you don't have an assistant, you haven't pulled the trigger or you've tried and failed, like what's up? Let's yeah, work on, exactly. let's work something out. Yeah. So, so yeah. So along yeah, that, so. along that same line, one of the things that I've been, it really kind of hit me hard this last week. And I know that, like, maybe this sounds like the most obvious thing in the world, but I feel like I finally get the idea of like 1% better every day. Like I realize now, so I, one of the things about freelancing that I started on a while ago was realizing that like, okay, you do your freelancing and sure it's, it's a distraction from, you know, the thing that you want to be working on. And it's so easily stated to say that, but like, I don't know if it's just where I am or what I've learned, but like, I feel that like fucking viscerally now, like the idea that like, oh, I actually have something I like, I want to spend time like learning about and working on and to realize like, oh, every day that goes by where I'm not doing at least one interview or I'm giving that time to somebody else is like a gigantic distraction from an end goal. Like, especially if you think about it in terms of 1% every day, like maybe speaking with like at this stage, every person you speak to it, like that's way bigger than 1% growth. That could be like 50% growth or 40% growth. Like it, it's, right. it's a huge number. So it's funny to think like you can make so much progress so quickly in the beginning. And it just wakes me up again to that fact that like, oh yeah, every, every minute that you give away to somebody else is a distraction from the thing that you want. And it's funny to think like, oh man, I really need to like realign on like, it's like waking up in the morning and like, remember, remember that like you, you're about to get into a meeting that someone else is paying you for. And maybe you want that, maybe you need or want that money more than you want your, that time right now. But like, it's costing you something. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, yeah. Are you getting closer to that thing that you want? And like, yeah, I just, I don't know, maybe I've just had my coffee and it's hit me properly. But in the last couple of days, like, I've just really realized like, oh yeah, I'm really, I'm really giving up on my own dreams and visions by giving my time away to other people. It's uh it's a little scary, honestly, that it, but I mean, you know, <laughs> really? we, we all have to learn that lesson at some point, but like, man, it's Jesus. Yeah. It helps me respect my time a little bit more, or at least like think about my plan going forward. It's like, well, how can I, how can I make money? How can I, how can I be getting closer to what I want? How can I be getting closer to my own vision? Yeah. And like, like you were saying, like, talking to another person like there's a you know there's a there's a high probability that you'll learn something yes right which is what you're trying to do right now is to learn more about this problem space yeah but there's also a small possibility that you land a customer like, mm-hmm. <laughs> right for your mvp where, absolutely so that's like a lot more than a one percent improvement yeah well that, that's the thing that i keep <laughs> coming back to of it's really cool when um you know, of the podcasts I, I've been listening to and everything, people talk about like the size of the market. And it's like, oh yeah, like you want to be like, if you're the market, market forces are just so good that if you can get a, if you can get into a big market and a growing market, it will pull you along with it, which is great. But man, I keep thinking back to the beginning of when I was doing Shred and how, like how, how bad of a hair on fire problem it was. People are just begging you to take, take the problem and own it for them. And it's funny, like, I mean, I think you know, SMBs or people who are trying to start businesses, that sort of thing, there's a lot of them. But at the end of the day, it's like, how do you, people are just so, their hair is on fire with, God, I'm overwhelmed and I need help. And I'm drowning and I don't know how to solve this problem. Or I feel like I can't. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so that was really my week. Uh, just busy with a lot of freelancing and then getting in my first interview. Um, well, first interview, getting in another interview. And then, yeah, so this coming week, Goal is more interviews. I've got two people in mind. I need to set up lunch with someone. It, it's been so chaotic 
um, with work. I really need to slow down. Like I need to like call the, I need to call the Canadian revenue agency and I need to sit on hold. And I know that this is going to be, this is going to be a one hour and 12 minute endeavor. And I'm like, man, I don't want to fucking do this, but I've, I've been in such a rush to do other things that I'm like, I can't even take the time to do the things I need to do. So I need to slow down a little bit, but uh, yeah, I need to make him. I need to take care of some paperwork and I need to speak with a couple more people. I've got some, yeah. So I've got some people in mind. I can set up lunches. That'll get done. Uh, yeah. I think that's. You need to hire yourself to wait on hold. To- <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then just forward the call to me once they, yeah. once they pick up. <laughs> You'll be your first customer. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Wait on hold for me. Yeah. I actually had to do it last week because I was doing our personal income tax mm-hmm. and I had to. For some reason, when it was time to file, I was filing for my son for the first time. Okay. And uh, like for everyone else, it was I was able to file electronically. And for him, for some reason, for the federal one, it said, nope, you can't. What, the information you gave us doesn't match the information we have on file. That's weird. It's like, uh, you shouldn't have any information on file. <laughs> this is the first time I'm filing for him. Right? So I, I and they just give you a phone number. Call this phone number. So mm-hmm. yeah, waited. Who knows? Thirty minutes on hold. Yeah, and yeah, the guy, the guy was useless. Uh, the guy was like, yeah, it doesn't match information we have on hold. Uh, it doesn't, you know, f- match the information we have on file. Like, and I said, well, like, can you tell me what it is? Yeah, like, like, what, yeah. <laughs> right. Oh well, because you never filed before, we can't. But like, <laughs> this is like. <laughs> it's like a chicken and egg thing. Like, how the hell can anyone file for the first time? Like, <laughs> you you wait until you so you don't pay anything, and then you wait until the police come to your door, and then you say, "I'm glad you're here. I've been trying to file, and I can't. Exactly. Maybe you can help me fix this." <laughs> you guys have one job, and it's to collect taxes from us. Yeah, and you won't take my son's taxes. Like, so yeah, in the end, I had to paper file them like a caveman. Oh my god! Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, you're, a, is, you're a Luddite. Seriously. <laughs> which is not that bad because the software I'm using allows you to print like oh, good. these like three pages that have this huge barcode on mm-hmm. it. And apparently the barcode holds all the information. But oh, wow. Still, I had to put it in an envelope, write an address. Put a fucking put a stamp, stamp on it. Ugh. Walk to the post office like, like a caveman. Seriously. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Did you grunt the at the hell? postal worker when you tried to... <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I had to speak their language, right? (laughs) Ooh, ooh, shots fired. (laughs) Roast mode. Oh, no, it was ridiculous. That's hilarious. Yeah, so um, with, I don't know if you've been watching the stock market these days. I try not to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, same same here. Like, my philosophy has always been, like, long term, right? Mm -hmm. And my portfolio is already diversified, so yeah. the, there's no reason to look at it when it when yeah. it's it's going down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but I've been thinking about like investing, right? Like, because I have lots of friends that the way they diversified their their portfolio is that you know they're in real estate, right? right? Like, there's there's all these other things you could be doing with your with your capital, mm-hmm. and. But the, but then I was thinking, is that really like anyone can invest in real estate? Mm-hmm. Like, so you don't have to be technical to to do it, right? Yeah, it's like it's. But is that really the the best investment that I could be making with my money? Yeah, I mean, I would argue that there are. Well, I mean, like you've owned you've owned property before. Like there's a lot of hidden fees. Well, like things that you have to save for if you're going to do if you're going to own responsibly. Like you need an emergency fund, you need this, you need that. You have to save all these things. When you move in, you have to pay these fees. When you move out, you have to pay these fees. There's property tax. There's, there's so many things. And when you calculate like the true cost of owning a home, it's like, well, I guess you're renting that home. So it's like, I don't know. It's interesting. Like houses tie up a lot more money than just like the cost to buy them. So you could, so it's like the opportunity cost that that those funds being tied up could be deployed elsewhere but if you were if you were an investor in like a real estate fund or something like that that had a yield or something on it something like that that could be more interesting i suppose well to me it'd be more interesting right but then you're paying like management fees yes 
Yeah. You're but, then not you, but then you're diversified at least, or you have more exposure to real estate, I guess. Right, exactly. And you don't have to manage it, right? Because yes. like being a landlord means that's, tenants. That sounds like the worst. Like I <laughs> I don't love my landlords right now, but fuck if I don't like, you know, have some empathy for them of like, I'm so sorry you have to deal with me. Like right. now fix my heat. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so what I've been looking at, I mean, I, I first started thinking about it because I, I saw people talking about Tiny Seed or the Comp Fund and mm-hmm. and how they were investing in it. Okay. Yeah. Becoming so, an yeah, becoming an LP in one of these funds. Yeah. So mm-hmm. then I was like, oh wait, that's interesting. So I look into it, but then I, I, I mean, it's obvious, but I never really thought about it. Like they, the the fund takes a cut of the money you put in there, right? So like they keep they keep a percentage of the money. To, to run the fund and to, to pay themselves and, and yeah that's like maybe uh, for profits too I don't know yeah that's I, I will so I only know a little bit about um, the only thing I know about funds are like what I've read or whatever through like venture capital funds so I can assume it's probably similar in some ways but yeah there's like the management fee but these funds are so huge like some of the biggest venture capital funds are raising stuff in the billions. And they usually get, there's a management fee that they collect on the fund itself. And then they also get carry. So they, they might be investing your money in companies, but they also, they get, they get some of that equity, I guess, themselves. Yeah, no, exactly. Like that's what I hadn't figured out. I hadn't realized, but it's obvious in hindsight that, yeah, that the fund has to make money and it it doesn't just make money by growing Mm -hmm. and, paying all that all those gains to the to the investors like they have to make money themselves so yeah of course they keep a cut yeah so then it's like well wait a second like i I was interested because yeah i like the idea of diversifying money in these different SaaS businesses Mm -hmm. but then it's like but wait why can't i just buy a SaaS directly myself like (laughs) and the more i thought about it like the more like yeah this this is my unfair advantage like being a technical person already running a business, like I think that that could be the best return on investment is by buying a company on micro acquire. Like, mm-hmm. and uh, because you know, it's not something that my non technical friends can do. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're looking at real estate because, yeah, it's not technical. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, right. I buy a place and I rent it out. And, and then, yeah, I have to deal with a tenant, but it's, you know, it's not rocket science. Like, mm-hmm. you know, but the toilet is sure. broken. All right, I call a plumber. Yeah. It's a no, there's a known set of problems around yeah, exactly. real estate. You've been living in some kind of home your whole life. You understand it intimately. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, that's it. But, you know, buy, buy a SaaS and, uh, oh, uh, we're having scaling problems. Mm-hmm. How the fuck do you fix that? Like, yeah. <laughs> right? Or, oh, the customer is having a technical problem. Mm-hmm. You have to understand the software to be able to understand how to fix the problem. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, we have this unfair advantage that, yeah, only people like us can can do that. Yeah. Um, I guess there that is true. Um, I guess, though, you, you have a different set of risks. Because, like, you're right, like product risk in the – or, like, I don't know what the right word for that. Like, call it support, I guess. Like, support risk of, oh, it's growing and it needs – a hand oh someone has a support issue and it requires like developer attention we can de-risk that aspect of the business but then there's other like market forces like a competitor starts up or um but i guess that's the thing like if you're really good at identifying a SaaS that people are unlikely to start competitors for or you're priced aggressively enough to keep other people out or i don't know what the answer is there but then it's like oh perfect great like this could you know this could yield with no comp- competition or low competition for 10 years or something, then no, yeah, that could it. be a I mean, cash machine. Like historically, the stock market returns like 8% per year. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the return is for real estate. It's it's quite a debate, actually, when you look into it. Some okay. people say it's less than inflation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But then if you buy something on MicroAcquire for like 3x of annual profit, then... That means it, it pays for itself in three years. You know, mm-hmm. if, if, the, if everything stays the same. Yeah. Like that is a huge return on investment. Yeah, it's massive. <laughs> like, yeah, it'll require some time, but that's also true for, 
for real estate. Like if if you're going to be a, a landlord, that might cost you some time also. Mm-hmm. And I mean, reasonably, you could even finance it through uh, through pipe or you know some other investment vehicle. And yeah, you you would you're never out the money. Like maybe it takes you three and a third years or three and a quarter or three and a, or three and a half years to pay it off, but you were never out the money. The the business is financing its own loan. Yeah, I looked I looked into Pipe and I could not figure out how it works from their landing page. Mm. Like it is so cryptic. Right. But uh, but yeah, I've heard I've heard that you can. There's also isn't there like Stripe also like Stripe Capital? Probably. Like if you run your. Um, so I, I mean I, I don't know exactly how it works, but if you run your business your own business through Stripe or potentially even like that business is run through Stripe, you could get an idea of how much Stripe would lend you, and then you could take the debt that way. I mean what we're talking okay. about is this is this is how traditional private equity works. Like you're you're in private equity at a hedge at a at a pension fund. Like CPP is a great example, the Canadian Pension Plan. It's freaking huge. So, uh, actually, no, even better. The Ontario, the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan um, yeah. is one of the largest pension funds in the world. They have tens of billions of dollars, maybe more, under management. And they're like, how do we deploy this? So they go out and they buy companies. And they're like, like uh, you hear about it all the time. Companies go to file for IPO. And then a private equity arm rolls in and says, We'll give you this share price instead of you guys going to the market. And they're like, great. So they take that company, they bring it in, they now own it, and then they take out huge debt against the company. And they say, look at all this cash flow that we just got. Like maybe they buy something for, call it like, I don't know, $2 billion or something. And then they say, all right, uh, we'll take a $600 million loan against the business. And then the business will earn out and, re- and refinance that loan or refinance it to pay the loan back. And then they do it again. And then meanwhile, the company hopefully is growing and becoming stronger and better, but they're just milking it yeah, and exactly. taking the profits off of it. And now they have a profit generation machine. It's the equivalent of like getting a mortgage to buy a rental property. Yes. Yes. You get to leverage your money. Mm-hmm. Down, I mean, the big upside for them though is, yeah, there's employees that are paid to care <laughs> about, the, <laughs> about the success of the company and hopefully they're compensated <laughs> so. But yeah, so basically I've been... Keeping a closer eye now on microacquire, mm. just looking at what's out there, and of course, like what what could I, what what would have synergy with Power Importer? Mm. So that's a yeah, really could, interesting angle. I hadn't thought about yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Like if you could find something where there's synergy between Power Importer and this new thing, where I can do cross promotion uh, or bundle it up into a better offering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. But, uh, yeah, could be very interesting. Uh, have you come across anything interesting on MicroAcquire recently? Maybe I should subscribe. That's an interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I hadn't really thought about it like that, but that's maybe that's a no, good. No, but that's it. Like, you know, because like going back, I I've been managing my own portfolio for for more than ten years. I don't I don't know how long. Like mm-hmm. maybe twenty years. Sure. Um, so you know, so I've I've gone through different phases. At one point, I was practically day trading, like. Right. And it was, it was like, it was exciting. It was fun. Uh, but then at the end, I'd look like how much better were my returns than like the historical 8% per year or, mm-hmm. or how better were my returns compared to what the index was doing at right. that moment and divide that by how much time I was spending on it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's like you come to the realization that I don't have an unfair advantage. There's like millions of other people day trading. Mm-hmm. And so why do I think I'm special and I, I have an edge over them. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I would justify it. Well, well, I'm a programmer, so I'm able to write like back testing. Like, so I was able to, to come up with models that might be unique, mm-hmm. but come on, there's like people hiring like quants, right? To yeah. do this stuff. Like, do I really think I'm better than, mm-hmm. than a physicist? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, so yeah, quickly I realized, you know what? I'm just going to invest in index funds. <laughs> yeah. Forget it. So I stopped day trading. But so that's why I, I came up with this idea. Like, what's my unfair advantage, mm-hmm. you know, in buying real estate? It's like, I, I don't have an edge over anyone, mm-hmm. everyone else that's just buying real estate. Yeah. So that's why the, this idea of buying on micro acquired, and I'm, okay, now I have an unfair advantage. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, my brother in law can't do this. Mm-hmm. Man, that's, fuck, that's really interesting. 
Because as soon as you started to, as soon as you started speaking, I was like, man, what's my unfair advantage? I mean, like I'm technical and there's not that many technical people in the world. Like, I mean, no, exactly. there's more every year, but we're, there's still very few. We're in very high demand. Right. Like you could buy a business right now and you could do the technical support. You could do the, you know, customer support, mm -hmm. uh, DevOps, like you, you know, you, in that department, you could take over no problems. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, yes, you'd have to do, you'd have to take over the marketing, uh, but maybe, yeah, maybe you have ideas that the previous owner never executed on. Yeah. You know, cause I think I was thinking the opposite. Like, you know, like what if like Corey Haynes wants to buy a SaaS, let's say. Like, yeah, he would be able to to really kill it in the marketing department. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, he's, he would like find all these new ideas that they never thought of. And But if something goes wrong, like <laughs> a customer has a technical problem, like he, he he would have to hire someone to take care of that. Yeah, he and has that to. Would just, mm. Yeah, and that would just eat away at his profits. Yeah. So yeah, so to answer your question previously, yeah, I did see a few things that might have synergy with Power Importer, mm -hmm. but um, the multiple was just ridiculous. Okay. Yeah, like I saw one, at one point they were asking for 15x, multiple 15x. Uh, so like, it was like, no, that's interesting, but no, <laughs> no way. And recently they've come back with uh, 7x. Okay. So they, they've reduced their price. Yeah, okay. They uh, The greed has ebbed a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So they, you know, they've been delisting it and then relisting it. Sure. And mm. now maybe at last time they relisted it, they're like at six x. Okay. Hey. So it's still it's still too high. Yeah. But, so yeah, I've seen a few things like no, oh, that could be interesting, mm. but uh, the price wasn't right. Sure. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because it's funny actually. I've been, you know, I've been doing all this freelancing, and uh, you know, my my freelancing pays my business, and then my business pays me. And I've built this nest egg up in my business. And I'm like, oh man, you know, I could go out and buy a business. Like, yeah, I've exactly. got money in there. I think, I mean, I, yeah, I think it's worth a look. Now, you know, like just to, to sign up and look at, look at what's out there. Mm. And also, I also like the ideas that you get from looking at these listings. But yeah. Wow, somebody, somebody's making this much with this idea. Like, mm. damn. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, absolutely. Yeah, this is such a good idea. I don't, I don't have a membership to it. Maybe I'll just pull the trigger on that. But yeah, it's a, especially because I'm, I'm still, I'm going through so much idea generation right now. Like, fuck, why not have a, have more leads on things that people are building, creating, and get a clear idea of like how much they're making. Yeah, so I mean, if you have a nest egg right now in the, in the business, hmm. yeah, it'd be. Yeah, I, I don't know how that works though. Like, because it's a, it's like a C corp, right? The, the equivalent of a C-Corp? Uh, like, I I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. I'm talking American. Yeah, now. okay. I was going to say, <laughs> oh my God, what have I done or not done? No, no in Canada, we only have yeah. corporations. Mm -hmm. We don't have any any other kind of corporation. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know what the rules are for, for corporations, like mm -hmm. what they can invest in, what they can... Mm -hmm. And it also kind of sucks because we'd have to pay USD likely for these businesses. So there's like a, I mean, I don't know what the exchange rate is right now, but I don't call it 30%. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, you got to pay more, but at the same time, the revenues in USD. So it's like, yeah, true, true, true. It just come, it just means that, yeah, the price tag you see is, is not the balance that you have in your bank account, mm -hmm. but, uh, but otherwise all, all the ratios are the same because the revenues in USD. Yeah, that's even another. Uh, <laughs> that that's another uh, bit of investment there. Like if you have more, I mean, the USD is still very strong. Uh, Canada is slipping a little bit, but it's another. Uh, you're you're taking another position. Not only do you own a business, but you're taking uh, you're being paid in USD. Yeah, I mean, all all my businesses have always been in USD. The mm -hmm. revenue. Okay. So it's it's been hard to ever like try to take advantage of that mm -hmm. like because it's fluctuated so much since i've been in in business mm. at one point it was at par at one point it was like 30 percent mm -hmm. yeah that's something that um uh, my wife has asked me about before of just like oh yeah like we we have american clients and they pay us in usd and we have this usd account and it's like what do we do to be repatriated like 
is there a good way to do that? Is there a, is there a bad way to do that? Because I've had some friends who have worked in the States and the, or other countries and moved back to Canada and they have like all these proceeds from their work and they're like, how do I get this back home? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. Like if you're really thinking long-term vision, mm-hmm. right? Like you're saying uh, this business is going to run for a decade, mm-hmm. then maybe there's things to do. When when the Canadian dollar is is strong, well, then you leave the money as USD in the account. Mm-hmm. But when the Canadian dollar is weak, well, then then you might want to convert it right away mm-hmm. to to Canadian. Yeah, or buy options. Like maybe you want to buy some FX options at a certain time because they might be cheaper and they'll give you the ability to like repatriate money if there's a lot of big fluctuation. Yeah, yeah, I don't know about that. Like again, like what what's your advantage in trading options? Oh, no, like because in that point you're not necessarily trading the option. You're just saying like, "Oh, I might be able to get a good price on this option, so if it does fall, I'm protected or um yeah, but but usually in SaaS, like your profit margins are so high, mm-hmm. like that there's no reason to edge like you mm-hmm. know to edge against the currency or right. for a currency. Like I understand if you're, if you know, if you have to hold inventory and your margins are low. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you need, you need to protect yourself against currency fluctuations mm-hmm. or lock in, lock in a price now. Yeah. I see. Yeah. But for cash, it's like, do you really want to? Yeah. But in this case, it's like, it's all profit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unless, uh, unless like a dictator was about to be elected somewhere or something that was going to clearly impact, <laughs> right. like overnight was going to over, it was going to impact your conversion. Then maybe it doesn't matter. Mm. So yeah, that's what, uh, that's what I've been thinking about. Mm. Interesting. How do you repatriate your money? Do you just, I, yeah. yeah, I, I just let Stripe convert it. Okay. Which is, which is, most likely not the best way because they charge yeah i think i think i lose like two to three percent each time oh wow oh yeah no exactly it's uh it's when when i look at the actual cost that stripe cost me Mm -hmm. it's not the 2.9 percent threat that they advertise wow (laughs) you you know you pay on the currency conversion you pay of course for for the billing Mm -hmm. like that's an extra you you pay a higher percentage on international credit cards also uh, you pay a higher on international credit cards. So like you, the, you, you like the two point nine percent. The the two point nine percent they advertise uh-huh. is I think is only true for American cards paying oh, USD. Okay. So international cards, I think they charge three point something. It depends in, in the on the country. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So they charge more. Uh, then you convert it to Canadian. You you lose two three percent. You pay for billing, which is almost another 1%. Mm-hmm. It adds up. <laughs> yes. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Cause like, I, I guess it depends on, um, cause it, with, with exchange at some point, it's cheaper to go with like the flat rate partners, um, who don't mark up the rate or mark it up incredibly small and they charge you a flat rate, but you have to be, I don't know where the cutoff is at some point. It's like, all right, I'm, if the flat rate is $200, then you have to be moving, more than whatever whatever amount times two point nine percent is is greater than two hundred. So then you yeah. switch over to a flat rate partner and do it that way. Um, I mean that's it. I've never given it much thought. Yeah. Like so, yeah, I'm leaving money on the table, but I got other bigger bigger things to worry about. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, yeah. But yeah. Otherwise, I think I sh- I should I should be leaving money in a U.S. account and have a U.S. credit card to pay my U.S. expenses. Yeah, and at some point, like, I mean, like we've been talking about with the assistance thing, right? Like, you're, you get to click one button and it's done. And you pay, you, you might, you may be paying a premium to click that one button and it's done, but it's done. Versus like, oh yeah. no, I'm going to have an account in this bank and I'm going to transfer it. And then I'm going to go to TransferWise and I'm going to do a wire and I'm blah, blah, blah. And it's yeah, just exactly. like, oh, I, well, good thing I saved $33. Like, <laughs> fuck. Like, was my t- how much was my time actually worth here? Yeah, exactly. Like now, I'm gonna have to like manage my accounts, make mm-hmm. sure there's enough funds to pay the credit card, and yeah, so transfer just the right amount mm-hmm. every month for no, no, no. Yeah, ex- <laughs> yeah, it's that's such a good point too because it's it 
if only it were just moving money from this account to this account and then doing a wire or whatever. Now it's like, oh, no, no, you have U.S. operations. You have to pay that credit card. You have to do this. Like, oh, man, savage. No, exactly. What would be cool is if, if Stripe acted as a bank. Like, if, if you could just leave all the money in Stripe mm-hmm. in U.S. dollars and then they could issue me a credit card, a U.S. credit card, and then mm-hmm. I could just pay my U.S. expenses. Mm-hmm. And not have to pay, because then you're not paying it internationally. You're paying it, like, you are an international person, but you have a U.S. credit card in the U.S. Like, you're paying the yeah. fees as they are in country. I mean, that, that's it. For sure, there's a bunch of better ways of doing this. It just, this is, uh, yeah, this is just, it's worth the extra 2 3% I pay. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, eliminating headache is real. I I, I feel you. Yeah, because I'm working on a new feature, Dell. You know, they'll bring in 25% more revenue. Exactly. Yeah. This is, <laughs> the, like, yeah, this is the right mindset. This is the thing that I get caught up in sometimes of realizing that, oh, actually what we need to be focused on is, um, uh, a profit center. We need to be like, how do I moving money around and paying for that to do will always be a cost center. Yes. You might be minimizing that cost a little bit more, but like your focus should be on generating more profit. Yeah, exactly. Or when I introduced the new pricing, right? Exactly. Immediately, my my average revenue per customer went up. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there you go. That that takes care of that. Exactly. <laughs> that extra two percent. I've, I've earned my ability to click that button and have it be done. <laughs> yeah. Mm. That's always such a good reminder. Profit center versus cost center. I don't know if I talked about this like early days in the podcast, but I've worked in tech companies where there is like I worked in a cost center. It's like settling. Like I worked in trade settlement. Um, when I worked on Wall Street and it was like trades flow out of the trading system, the traders who are generating profit and they're like, everything else after the trade itself is a, is a cost. So yeah, we might be doing all this cost minimization and there were thousands and thousands of people working in these, like in the technical back office. And it's like, oh yeah, like, can I buy a new IDE? Like, I'd like to be able to write code a little faster. And they're like, no, not going to (laughs) happen. We already pay you a salary. Like, even if we make you 20% more effective, it doesn't generate any more profit for us. So we're not incentivized yeah. to buy anything for you. Exactly. And they really- reduce your workload by 20%, will you take a 20% pay cut? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but it, it's funny. Like, it's interesting to think about that at, at, uh, like, at the last place I worked where they're like, if we can buy anything that will make you faster, we will do it without asking any questions. Because engineering is a profit center for us. So- do what you need to do. And it's like night and day. Yeah. When I worked for a big corporation at the beginning, they were like, no, they wouldn't pay a penny for, for tools. It's like, no way we could, we could build it ourselves in house. Oh my God. Just open source. And and then it it shifted at the end where it was like, yeah, absolutely. Whatever, whatever tool you need, here's a credit card. Yeah. So yeah, it's one of those things. If you're listening to this and you're working for a company and you're asking yourself, am I in a profit center or a cost center? Go sit next to the people who you know are in a profit center and look at all the free shit that they get. Coffee, they have the best tools, they have the best chairs, they have the nicest desks, they get the best benefits. Is you saying you, sh- you should switch job in that case? Well, I, I think there's value to being in a, in a cost center. or uh, Yeah, there's value to being in a cost center. Like, There's interesting problems there, but... You're not going to get the spotlight, that's for sure. And you'll be the first ones to get cut, sadly. But yeah. Cool. That's all I have. Uh, do you have anything else? Yeah. No, that's it. All right, sweet. Let's wrap it up then. So the show notes are available at startupsomething.com. If you like the show, rate and review it on your favorite podcast player. It really helps people find the show. Thanks for listening. Catch you next week. Bye.